Welcome to Kingdom Living Ministries, where our vision is knowing God, loving people, and making disciples. We trust this week's message will be a blessing to your life. Enjoy the teaching ministry of KLM. So I was listening to the teaching last week, and just meditating on it, and I was saying, Lord, what is she talking about dove's eyes? I don't know. Anybody out here know what dove's eyes represent? I, would, I didn't either. And I knew in her song, she associated it with undistracted devotion to God. And so I did some research on dove's eyes. Come to find out, doves have very special eyes. They have no peripheral vision, meaning they can only focus on one thing at a time. They have what you call binocular vision, which means the ability to maintain visual focus on an object with both their eyes, thus creating a single visual image. So when they look at an image, an object, it's through their binocular vision. They can only see it in their eyes, almost look at it as a three-dimensional object. And the main thing is, is that they have eyes for each other. That's why sometimes you, you hear doves called the lovebirds. It's because they focus all their attention on their mate. And if their mate dies, they never uh, mate again. They are so in love with their original mate. And in scriptures, if you go with me to 1 Corinthians, Chapter 7, my glasses on, thank you Jesus for good eyesight, amen. First uh, Corinthians chapter 7, well let me give you a little history. So this is Paul talking to the Corinthians and he's dealing with the virgin marrying and the marriage, and the marriage, if you're married to stay married. And he said, I'm giving you my opinion. It's best that if, you, if you're a virgin to stay unmarried because they take care of the things. Their mind are, is on the things of the Lord. But when, they, when you marry, your, your mind is on worldly things, on how to please your mate. And so I want to read verse 35 for you. It says, <clears throat> so... He tells him, I say this for your own benefit, not to lay any restraint upon you, but to promote good order and to secure, and to secure your undivided devotion to the Lord. So God loves our undivided or undistracted devotion. And as a believer, we should be like that dove with our eyes focused on Jesus. Because that's the reason that we exist. It's all because of him. So I'm praying, God, give me that undistracted devotion for you, where I only have eyes for you, where I stay focused on you, giving you all the glory, giving you my best, my undistracted devotion. Now, I don't know about you all, but the best time for me to do that is early in the morning. Before my children come over and it's just me and him. And also when they take a nap, it's my time with the Lord. 
It's my time with the Lord. I have to get it in some kind of way. And that should be our cry. Now, if you go with me into the book of Solomon, first chapter in verse 15, it says, Behold, thou art fair, my love. Behold, thou art fair. Thou hast dove's eyes. And also we see in chapter 4 of Solomon, Song of Solomon, chapter 4, verse 1. It says, Behold, thou art fair, my love. Behold, thou art fair. Thou hast dove's eyes within thy flocks. Thy hair is as a flock of goats. And so here we see one more scripture first, chapter 5, verse 12. It says, His eyes are as the eyes of doves by the rivers of water, washed with milk and fitly set. So here we see in these scriptures that both the bride and the groom have dove eyes. They have their eyes set on each other. They deliberately focus on each other and they don't get distracted by the things of the world or, or situations that are going on uh, with them. They stay focused on each other. Amen. Now, if you go with me to chapter 4 and verse 9, that the bride and the groom have their eyes focused on each other. See, the, the bride is captured by the beauty of her groom, and the groom is captured by, he's heads over, heels over head in love with his bride, and that's all they see, and they don't allow, allow distractions to, uh, to draw them away from each other. They protect what they have. So my prayer this morning is, God, give me dove's eyes for you, Lord. Give me eyes for only you, Lord. Let me be so devoted to you, Lord. I just want to be in your presence. As the worship team saying this morning, they was right on. And where is the drummer? The drummer hit a note. I'm like, I had to get out of my seat and say, whoa. Oh, it was awesome. It was awesome. You guys set the atmosphere. Yes. So thank God for the praise and worship team. Amen. And you know, there's so many distractions in our lives nowadays. You know, and you know, with technology and everything and people talking about technology is such a distraction, the cell phones and so forth. But the problem is not the technology. The problem is, is us. You know, if we decide to spend hours on social media and give God 10 or 15 minutes, it's on us. That that becomes a distraction for, for us. And I, re, I recall our pastor saying many times that he's fasting from, from social media. And at first I thought, oh, he's just tripping, you know. And then my daughter-in-law hooked me up with Facebook. I had been on there years ago, but didn't do anything with the account. So she's, Mom, let me hook you up. You got Facebook. I said, I forgot the password. I thought I had to have a password to get on there. And anyway, so she hooked me up. And this is no lie. 
the first week I OD'd on Facebook. <laughs> I'm going, oh God, I know what the way, Pastor Dwayne was talking about now. I said, Lord, deliver me, deliver me. <laughs> and he is so, he is so awesome and he is delivering me. You know, uh, I might not post anything on there, but I'm, I'm stalking y'all. I'm, I'm reading what you guys are uh, posting. So I understand now, Pastor, what you mean, fasting from social media. You know, there and and the world tells us it's okay to multitask. You know, and, and when I think about that, I think about a mother. She got a purse under her clutch, under her arm. She got a coffee in one hand, cell phone with the other hand, and tending to four little kids. It's like she's multitasking. You know, but how do that really benefit us? Like we are multitasking tasking our time where we don't spend that time we need to in the word and with God are we multitasking our faith you know I began to you know ask these questions and and say Lord you help me you help me because you know my desire is to please him in everything that I do it might mean that I have to let go of some some distraction get rid of them altogether it might mean that i might have to prioritize my my list of what i'm doing because but let me tell tell you this if you prioritize your list if god is not at the top of your list everything on there become a distraction no so uh keep that in mind uh when you begin to cut out things in your life or prioritize, know that you know God should always be first. And in the in the Song of Solomon, several times he said, "Behold, behold, behold, you are beautiful, my love. Behold." And when you see that word "behold," it means to pay attention. He said, "Listen, my daughter, my church." Behold, you are beautiful. I love you, my love. You have dove's eyes. So God desires that we have dove eyes for him. Amen. Now go with me to uh Book of Solomon chapter 4, verse 9. That's where I want to go. Let me read it in the ESV. <clears throat> Undistracted devotion to God verse 4 chapter 9 okay. it says you have captivated my heart my sister my bride you have captivated my heart with one glance of your eyes man I read this I'm going wow God this is this is powerful we, we know that we are the bride and he's the bridegroom. And God is telling us that we have captivated his heart with just a glance of our eyes. And see, that, that glance can be, Lord, if I could just give you a second of my heartbeat towards you, if I can just give you five minutes of my heartbeat towards you Lord then I can captivate your heart God you will uh, be 
captured by my praise, by my heartbeat. You see, uh, um, undistracted devotion has to do with the heart. It has to do with the heart. And so if our hearts are towards God, we captivate his heart. When you think about that, captivating the heart of God, that's awesome. But it's possible. So that that's where I am with my devotion to God. You know, I I am so tired of everything that I've allowed uh, I've allowed to become a distraction. And in in doing this study, I was hit with a realization of my walk with Christ. You know, I, I asked myself some hard questions. You know, I said, Lord, what 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 is my life really about, God? You know, there has to be more. Lord, you know, uh, when did I lose focus on what's really important in my walk with Christ? You know, I asked myself these hard questions, but it's real. And, you know, it's, it's, it's almost like finding out you, you were adopted after, being, after years being with your family. Or to this extreme, I'm going, God, have my life as a Christian been a lie? You know, I, I, I was, I'm so drawn at this point that I want nothing but him. I'm tired of the distractions. I'm tired of allowing the enemy to come in and steal my time with God. It's time to get right, church. It's time, you know, time is winding down. We don't know when, but we know it's coming. And I don't want to, to be that Christian by default, meaning that uh, I've given my life to Christ. I've accepted him, accept, accepted him as my Lord and Savior. And that's it. And I sit back and do nothing. I go to church. I read my Bible. It's not enough. It's not enough. And I don't know about you. Like I said, reading my Bible, it's enough. Praying is not enough, church. Serving in the kingdom of God is not enough. Trying not to sin is not enough for me anymore. Being a leader is not enough anymore. It's not enough anymore, church. And you're probably wondering, why, why do I say that? Running towards him is not enough anymore. I'll tell you why. I can do all these things of myself in my flesh. But what's my motive behind it? There's nothing. I, it's not enough. I can do all these things, but if my focus and my heart and my eyes is somewhere else, it's not enough, church. It's not enough. God is calling us. He's calling us to that deeper place in him. 
you know, <clears throat> we can do all these things. We can have reasons, our reasons for doing them. But they might not be God's intentions, what he meant for us, how he meant it to be. So if you go with me with my checklist, I'll show you why it's not enough. I've read my Bible out of habit, check. I've done that. I've been to church out of obligation, check, check. I've done that. I've, I've served in ministry out of character, check. What the, what's that to God? I've prayed out of pure need, double check, check, check. See, your body could be in church, but your focus might be on the world. I remember, you remember when you first came to Christ and how hungry you were? You couldn't wait to get off work to go give, spend that time with God. Every moment that you had, every chance that you had, you had your heart focused on Him. And I remember going to Bible study on a Thursday night. Me and my girlfriends, we were looking at our watch the whole time so we can go and to the dance that's on campus after Bible study. You know, it's not enough. I don't want that kind of walk. I don't want to be known for that. I want to be known as the woman after God's own heart. You know, you, your hands can be serving in his kingdom, but your thoughts could be serving someone else. You can say that your life is in the hands of God, but your heart could be in the hands of someone else. You may be running toward him, so you think, but your eyes could be set on anything and everything but him. You, you, you um, take for example, you could be running a race, a picture, this man running a race, and he's made substantial ground, and he's running. And then he looks back, turns his head back to the beginning, the start line, instead of focusing on the finish line. I ask you, if I followed your gaze, at the end of your gaze, what would I see? Would I see Jesus or would I see all the distractions that you have allowed to come in? It's not enough anymore, church. God is calling us to that higher ground, to that deeper walk with him. So the, uh, the matter of running is to be singly-mindedly serving Christ, to have that undistracted devotion for God, to have those dove eyes just for him, to be that Christ-centered child of God. Can you imagine what our life would be like if we really allowed Christ to be the center of our life, if we allowed Christ to be the center of our church? and not get into all these distractions, but keeping our eyes focused on him. 
And what's so amazing when we decide to truly take that step in developing our, uh, our, our time with God and giving him our best, that you're, you're reading your Bible comes out of your devotion to God. Your praying should come out of your devotion to God. You serving in the kingdom of God should come out of your devotion for God. You going to church should be out of your devotion for God because you love him so much that you want to hear what he's going to preach, bring forth that Sunday. You love him so much. You want to share that love with your fellow brothers and sisters. Out of your devotion for God comes keep you, keeping his commandments, doing what's right. Out of your devotion for God is not trying not to sin, it's not sinning. And when you do, you repent right away, knowing that through the blood of Jesus Christ, we, we, he's provided a way for us to repent. And when you repent, you don't go back to it. You turn away from it and you run to God. You turn to God. Amen. Just to say, Lord, forgive me is not enough. You have to make a change. You have to change the direction that you're going in. Amen. And so upon studying this message and meditating on it, I thought about two people in the Bible, in the scripture, that demonstrated such a devotion. One of them was David, of course. The other one was Mary, Martha's sister. If you go with me to Luke chapter 10, please. Luke chapter 10, starting at verse 38. Now it came to pass, as they went, that he entered into a certain village, and a certain woman named Martha received him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, which also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. But Martha was cumbered about much serving, and came to him and said, Lord, does thou not care that my sister have left me to serve alone? Bid her therefore that she help me. And Jesus answered and said unto her, Martha, Martha, thou art careful and troubled about many things, but one thing is needful. And Mary has chosen that good part, which shall not be taken away from her. Okay, so the scriptures tell us that as as they went, meaning Jesus and his disciple, they came into a certain village and a certain woman named Martha received them or welcomed them into her home. You know, and upon doing that, you know that when you welcome somebody into your home, you take on the uh, um, responsibility of being a hostess to them. You serve them in whatever manner uh, um, that you have available. You, might feed them or give them something to drink. Just try to make them comfortable. So Martha took on this responsibility when she welcomed Jesus into her home. But at some point, her heart changed. You know, her serving God became, the scripture says that she became cumbered uh, about much serving. 
Encumbered means to um, Encumbered means to be burdensome, to distract, to draw away. See, her her serving God became a burden to her. And it began to draw her away, to distract her from what was really important. And so she goes to Jesus complaining, Lord, don't you care that my sister have left me? It's about me, me alone to serve. And years ago when I studied this, and, and I had taught on Martha and Mary at women's retreat, and when I read God's response, Jesus' respond, response to her, he said, Martha, Martha, thou art careful and troubled about many things. And I kid you not, go with me for a minute. When I, when I read that, it's like I heard Jesus' voice in the spirit when he, he responded to Martha. He didn't just say Martha. He called her, na her name twice. And this is the way I heard it. Martha, Martha. Mm, mm, mm. My daughter, you have missed it altogether. You see, you are so troubled and anxious about your serving me that you forgot the one thing that's really needful. The one thing someone uh, not long ago talked about the one thing. Was it you, Alan? You might have mentioned it. Anyway, so he said the one thing that is needful, you didn't do. You missed it. You, you missed what was really important to me. And if you... Um, the reference uh, scripture for the one thing that is needful takes you to Psalms 27, verse 4. And this is David speaking, and he said, okay. He says, One thing have I desired of the Lord, that will I seek after that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. See, the one thing that was needful was to be in the presence of God. And he says, to behold his beauty, to gaze upon here. Here we go with the eyes again. David's desire was to be in the presence of God. He said, I, I desire to dwell in the temple of the Lord, to behold his beauty, to gaze upon him with my heart and to inquire in his temple. See, when you get in the presence of God, God doesn't mind ask, you asking questions. You know, when he's ready to answer them, you know, just like in the song, Dove's Eyes, she said, you know, uh, I, I, I want to be with, I don't want to talk about him like he's not in the room. When you're in the presence of God, you want to talk straight to him. You know, you give him uh, uh, that honor of gazing upon him. You know, so many times, you know, it's rude when you, for instance, you go out to have coffee or dinner with someone and you're sitting in front, across from each other. And you're talking to that person, and that person is looking all around and not looking you in the eye. You know, that's very rude, but that's how we do sometimes. 
That's how we do God. We we go in for a little while when we have a big need, you know, uh, and we cry and pour out our heart. And then, you know, God take care of our needs. We step back. I don't need God today. I'm good, you know. I got food in my refrigerator. I got this new car. I'm good. Thank you, Lord. But I'm good. He deserves so much more than that. You know, and so, and I can understand why David was called a man out of God's own heart. You think about it, there it is again, you know, just a glance of our eyes toward God, our heartbeat toward God captivates his heart. And so with David's heart, God, he captivated God's heart. And you can imagine, imagine him um, in the pasture taking care of his sheep. And pouring out all these lovely verses in the Psalms. And, you know, we all know he did his stuff. He did his thing. But he was quick to repent. And he was quick to acknowledge, Lord, I need you, God. And that should be our heartbeat. God, I need you. I am a needful person. God, because I realize I cannot walk this walk without you. My heartbeat is towards you, God. Lord, I just want to gaze upon you. I just want to dwell in your presence. And see, that's why uh, uh, Jesus told Martha, you missed the one thing. But Mary, she got it right. You know, every time she got a chance, she was sit sitting at the feet of Jesus. And she just wasn't sitting there. She was, she had her attention towards God. She wanted to hear what he was teaching. You know, she not only did that, she broke all kind of culture rules when she went into the room where Jesus and the disciples and Lazarus was and she sat at his feet. Or 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 I, I like the one when she washed his feet with her hair. You know, because you know the Bible says Jesus, he, he stood up for her. He said, leave her alone, that she's preparing my body for the bearer. See, she had been at the feet of Jesus long enough to know that he was getting ready to be crucified. His disciples act like they didn't know, but she knew. And she began to wash his feet, you know, and dry them with her hair, you know, because she was preparing his body for the burial. Because she had been in his presence and she had attended to his teaching and to his word. She knew what was about to happen, you know. And when we take time to get in his presence, there's things that might be coming along the line. God might have you to pray about or let you know, hey, this is about to happen. You need to pray for that son, that daughter, that aunt right now. Right now. And her very position at his feet shows her, 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 her surrendering her will. Lord, I'm yours. Even when her brother Larry's died and, and Martha ran to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would have lived. You know, and, and, and Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. Do you believe that? And she said, yeah, Lord, my brother should be raised in the last days. That's not what he asked her. Although she said, yes. Like she was in faith about it. She wasn't. She wasn't. And so then she runs to Mary and said, the master's coming. Mary goes out there 
the first thing she does is fall at his feet to, to submit her will unto him, to worship him. It was an act of worshiping. God, you know, my brother died, but God, I still can worship you. My brother died. God, you still, Lord. God, my brother died, and I still love you, God, and I'm still going to seek you, God. I still want to be in your presence, you know? So those things that come in our lives, it's how we handle it that makes a difference. It's how we handle it, how we deal with it. Do we get mad and angry at God? Lord, you should have been here like Martha said, and my brother wouldn't have died. And see, he told her the answer. He said, I am the resurrection. And because your brother needs life, I'm going to resurrect him. And that's how God is, his gaze, his love is upon us. And he tells us, beloved, you're beautiful. I love you. I love those love notes to me. Now, I'm a romantic person, so I need to hear that. And, 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 and in studying the song of Solomon, I mean, it is such a beautiful book, you know, because it really represents Christ, the, the groom, and us, his church. And, you know, reading through that, reading through it this time, I saw it even clear. I'm going, oh, God, you love us so much. Even when we think we're unlovable, like the Shulamite woman, she said, don't look upon me, for I'm dark. My skin is dark. My brothers were angry at me, and they made me go tend to that vineyard, and my skin got darker. And see, that wasn't acceptable. You know, there was some race stuff going on, in my opinion. But, you know, but in the end, she ends up with, with her, 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 her groom, you know, and her heart was panting after God, you know, after her groom. And I, and I also like the part when she was in bed and her beloved came and knocked at the door and he put his hand in, in the door. And, and, and she said, you want me to get out of bed? It's my version of it. You want me to get out of bed? You know, I'm in my bed now. And and you want me to dirty up my feet by putting them on the floor again? And he withdrew himself. And then she's going through town. Have you seen my beloved? My beloved, where are you? You know, we need to seek God at all times. It might not be convenient. But who cares about that? If your heart is towards him, Convenient or not, seek his face. Seek to be in his presence like never before. My heart cry is, Lord, I need you, Lord. I don't want to go through the motions anymore of being that Christian only on Sunday. I need you every day, every moment, every second of the day. I want to get, get it right, that one thing that is needful. I want to be that woman after your own heart. I want to captivate your heart, Lord, in your presence. 
just to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord. That's what David said. I just want to dwell, to live, to abide in the house of the Lord, in the temple, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to seek him and to inquire of him, to ask him, Lord, what's my next step? What, what is it that I can do to honor you this day, God? What is it that I can do in my home while I'm taking care of my kids to honor you, God? What is it that I can do, Father? You know, we have all the distractions coming. Why not every time a distraction comes, oh God, I need you. If we acknowledge that, you know, cause he's always won us to himself. He's always won us by his love. We just have to heed to it. Go with me to Mark 12, verse 30. Mark 12, verse 30 says, This sums it all up in a nutshell. And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy mind, and with all thy strength, this is the first commandment. So my question, are you loving God with all your soul? With all your heart first? Are you loving God with all of your heart? He don't want part of it. He wants all of us. All of us. He wants everything about us, our heart, our soul, our mind, our strength, all of it. Give it all to him. Amen? Amen. That concludes this week's message, and thank you very much for listening. For more information about Kingdom Living Ministries, please call us at 732 324 or visit our website at kingdomlivingnj.org. Also, you can write to us by mail at P.O. Box 519, Rancocas, New Jersey, 08073. And lastly, if you would like to partner with this ministry through your prayers or financial support, contact us via email at partners at kingdomlivingnj.org. Our prayer is that this message has encouraged you to live out the kingdom of God daily in your life by your obedience to His Word. God bless you.